0: Hi, this is Inez, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, folks, and a very happy and blessed New Year to you and yours. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's my honor to be with you. Welcome to our Sunday sermon. Today is New Year's Day, January 1st. So I was really struggling since before the last Christmas sermon series, The Colors of Christmas, on what to share with you today. It's New Year's Day, and the possibilities are endless as we begin to look ahead. And I've preached about that, in fact, for many a year. But something has really been nagging at me. There needs to be something different. So the thought that was rolling around in my head was, okay, it's the Sunday after Christmas. Now what? You know that moment after Christmas, we kind of exhale and everything sort of winds down. And in fact, we might feel like it's a letdown. But in doing some reading, I was encouraged that the days after Christmas really shouldn't be a letdown for us at all. They should be a launching point, a glorious beginning in our lives. And so as the Lord would have it, here is today's sermon, Looking Beyond Christmas. And the scripture reference is Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. So let's get ready to find out what's next after Christmas. But of course, before we do, we need to pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we begin this new year, we want to start off right. Help us to look beyond Christmas. It's a beautiful time of year, but now what, Lord? Show us today in your word what these next steps can be. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. In the scripture today, Jesus is 41 days old. And in verse 22, it says his parents took him to Jerusalem, to the temple, to present him to the Lord. And while they were there, the Holy Spirit made sure that they crossed paths with a very devoted man named Simeon. Verses 26 to 32 tell us that the Holy Spirit had revealed to him, Simeon, that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you've promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Okay, so that's the background to what we're really going to talk about today. So with that in mind, let's read the next verses, verses 36 to 40, and see what happened next. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Pastor Frank Harrington liked to tell about an uncle who was prone to make some pointed observations. His name was Van, And one of the things Uncle Van used to say was, there ain't nothing as over as Christmas. Of course, he was talking about the letdown that people often feel. But the days after Christmas shouldn't be a letdown. That's what we were just talking about. They should be a launching point. The birth of Christ was not a dismal ending. It was a glorious beginning. And it can be, and it should be a glorious beginning in our lives as well. So as we look beyond Christmas Here's a few tips that can help. First, stay close to the Lord in every situation. This elderly widow named Anna teaches us to stay close to the Lord. Listen again to her life story in verses 36 and 37. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Anna may have been over a 100 years old, because verse 37 may mean that she had been a widow for 84 years. And over her long life, Anna teaches us that we should stay as close to the Lord as possible. Stay as close to the Lord as In every situation, that's the message, even in times of stress and sorrow. Anna knew all about sorrow. She'd only been married seven years when her husband died. Did he get sick and suffer from a lingering illness? Was he killed in a terrible accident? Was he killed by a robber or a Roman soldier? However he died, it must have broken Anna's heart. But Anna did not make the tragic mistake so many people make. Anna did not pull away from God. Verse 37 tells us that she did not depart from the temple, and this tells us that Anna stayed as close to the Lord as she possibly could. That's exactly what we should do even in times of sorrow. One of America's best-known Christmas carols is titled I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and it was written by poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. The song starts in verse 1 with this, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then in verse three, a surprisingly sad verse happens. It says, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Doesn't that seem odd in a Christmas carol? Longfellow wrote those words late in the Civil War after suffering a double tragedy in his life. In July of 1861, Longfellow's wife, Fanny, had trimmed some of their seven-year-old daughter's curls. Mom decided to preserve the curls in sealing wax, but as she melted the wax, a sudden breeze through the window blew her dress into the flame. Fanny's light dress was immediately engulfed in fire. Attempting to protect their two daughters in the room with her, she ran to Henry's study in the next room, where he frantically tried to smother the flames with a throw rug. When that didn't work, Longfellow desperately tried to smother the flames by throwing his arms around his wife, severely burning his face, arms, and hands. She died the next morning. He was too ill from his burns to even attend the funeral. In 1863, Longfellow received word that his oldest son, Charles, had been severely wounded by a bullet that took off part of his backbone. No wonder the poet wrote those sorrowful words. But that's not the end of the song. Longfellow did not give up on God. He stayed close to the Lord, and the Lord gave him comfort through the good news of Christmas. Verse 4 of that song says this, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God's not dead nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, good will to men. We must stay close to the Lord in every situation. And the good news, the great news for us, is that through Jesus Christ, we can get closer to the Lord today than Anna had ever dreamed, even when she was looking right into the face of the baby Jesus. We can get closer to the Lord because Jesus has now died on the cross for our sins. We can get closer because Jesus rose from the dead. We can get closer because the Holy Spirit is at work in our world right now in a way that he did not work before the cross. We can even have the Lord right here in our hearts if we'll open our heart to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. So get close to the Lord and stay close to the Lord. Next, as we look beyond Christmas... Serve the Lord every way you can. Anna served the Lord every way she possibly could. In verse 37b, it says, She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. There's no way for us to measure the blessings that came from Anna's service. It was spiritual service. We see that in her prayers. It was sacrificial service. We see that in her fasting. And it was steady service. Anna served the Lord night and day for a long, long time. Whether she was 84 or over 100, the Lord blessed her with a very long life, and she made the most of her life. Anna served the Lord every way she could, as long as she possibly could. One lesson for us is that we're never too old to serve the Lord, but a bigger lesson is that we must serve the Lord while we can. Most of us will not live to 84 and certainly not to 100. Time is short. We must serve the Lord while we can, trusting God to use our faithful service in ways we can't see. Anna had no idea that God would add her story to his word or that millions of people would be blessed by it down through the centuries. Pauline Hilton gives another example of God using faithful service in ways we can't see. It happened years ago when Pauline's parents were serving the Lord in the Salvation Army. One miserable December night, they went out for an open-air meeting. It seemed like a waste because no one else was even around, but Pauline's dad said, God doesn't need people to be out listening. He only needs us to be faithful. So they played a few Christmas carols and Pauline's dad gave a short message before everyone retreated from the cold. A few weeks later, dad was ringing the bell at a mall when a lady asked him if he had been on that certain street corner a few weeks before. When he said yes, she explained, my father had been in a coma for six months. We were dreading the holidays since dad was not really with us. But then we heard the carols and to our amazement, my father sat up and said, that's God's music. And then he died. God used those few songs to give comfort to a dying man and his family. And God can use your service, beloved, in ways that you cannot even imagine. Next, as we look beyond Christmas, trust God to surprise you with joy. God loves to surprise his people with joy. I have no idea what kind of day Anna was having when she walked across that temple court, but I can imagine that she was in some pain, maybe achy shoulders, maybe knees or her hip, maybe her back, maybe even her feet. Her sight must have been failing. She might have been lonely. Anna might have been carrying some heavy burdens that day but she had no idea of the wonderful thing she was about to see. In verse 38, Anna was going about her normal day when she suddenly received a new burst of joy in her life. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? God made sure she ran right into the newborn savior at just the right time. Perfect. Anna was surprised by joy. And many times the Lord will do the same thing for us. Maybe it's the joy of a new baby or grandbaby or special time with friends or a good report from the doctor. God likes to surprise us with his joy and it can come in the smallest things of life. But the best joy comes as it did that day from our close encounters with the Lord. Those times when he allows us to see his hand at work. Those times when he gives us a special touch. Susan Starnes tells about the night she went into her daughter's room to pray. Susan's daughter was eight at the time, and during her prayer, right out of the blue, the little girl said, Jesus, please lock the doors if they haven't been locked. Mom held back a chuckle at that unexpected request. and didn't think anything about it. That is, until the next morning when she opened the front door and found her keys on the outside of the lock where she had accidentally left them. Surprise! Susan was joyfully amazed at how the Lord had led her little girl to pray, and she thanked him for his protection. Beloved, God wants to surprise you with his joy, and this is so important because Nehemiah tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength, And joy is one of the most godly characteristics we can have in our heart. And according to Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is love and then what? It says joy. In Luke 15, Jesus told three parables to help us understand God's attitude toward seeking the lost. And every time the lost was found, there was great joy. Listen to two of these parables. Luke 15, let's read verses 1 to 10. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go search for that one that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders, When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over ninety-nine others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. And of course, the third parable I'm sure you're familiar with is the parable about the lost son. Joy is a good, proper, and godly thing. And what do you think I'll do if I have this godly joy? I'll do the same thing Anna did in verse 38 where she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Anna shared her joy with everybody she could, and that's what the Lord wants you and I to do, beloved. Maybe you don't feel very joyful today, but don't give up on the joy of the Lord. Ask the Lord to restore his joy to you, and he will. And lastly, as we look beyond Christmas, trust God to strengthen your life with spiritual growth. The Lord himself is our model for spiritual growth, as we see in verse 40, where it says, the child, Jesus, grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. How many of you feel like you're in a spiritual rut? God never wants us to get stuck in a spiritual rut. As long as we're in this world, The Lord wants us to grow spiritually. God wants us to grow strong in his wisdom and grace. In Ephesians 4, verses 13 and 15, Paul tells us that we should grow until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then in verse 15, that we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Peter tells believers in 2 Peter 3.18, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God wants Christians to grow spiritually. Are you growing, beloved? Maybe not. Pastor Selwyn Hughes helps us see God's high standards with these questions. Am I trying to grasp things from God's hands, or are my hands relaxed and empty so that I might receive? Do I shrink from painful experiences, or do I welcome them in the knowledge that they will make me a more sensitive person? Am I so sure of God and his resources that I am free from a spirit of demandingness and overconcern? Is my goal to be happy, or is it to be holy? Am I more taken up with getting pleasure out of God than I am with giving pleasure to God? Do I have a deep compassion or concern for the plight of others? Is my heart clean and pure? Have I experienced an inner cleansing that has reached to the deepest depths? Am I a reconciler, one who seeks to reconcile others to God, and, where necessary, to each other? Pastor Hughes asked these questions and then added, Don't be discouraged if you can't see all these beautiful attitudes at work in your life. Remember, we grow in grace. Are you growing, beloved? Maybe not. Pastor Rick Warren points out that spiritual growth does not just happen once you're saved, even if you attend services regularly. Churches are filled with people who've attended for their entire lives, yet they are still spiritual babies. Spiritual growth is not automatic with the passing of time. The writer of Hebrews sadly noted, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Millions of Christians have grown older without ever growing up. Warren continues, The truth is that spiritual growth is intentional. It requires a commitment to grow. A person must want to grow, decide to grow and make an effort to grow. Warren concludes by saying discipleship begins with a decision. Beloved, make the commitment today. Don't let your spiritual life get stuck in a rut. Don't let it get caught in this time after Christmas where we let down. God wants all Christians to grow spiritually. But how are we going to do that? There's just a whole lot to say about that. But today, let me just focus you on two things that you can do two requirements if you will for spiritual growth number one of course we must feed ourselves on the word of god peter was speaking to believers in first peter 2, 2 when he said like newborn babies you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation cry out for this nourishment he said one problem many christians have today is that they're starving themselves from the word of God. And I'm not just talking about coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday. I'm talking about taking in some of God's word every single day. Jerry Vines said, an unread Bible is like food uneaten, a love letter never read, a buried sword, a roadmap unstudied, gold that was never mined. And the second requirement would be this, you must realize that we cannot grow alone. As Pastor Warren said, and I quote, the truth is that Christians need relationships in order to grow. We don't grow in isolation from others. We develop in the context of fellowship, end quote. Paul Harvey told about a 73-year-old man who was rescued by his friends just in the nick of time. This farmer had been pinned under his tractor for four long days and nights, He suffered through a terrible storm and had to have his leg amputated below the knee but it could have been a lot worse it could have cost him his life and it would have too if his friends hadn't come looking why did they go to his farm to check he missed wednesday night prayer meeting not showing up for the least attended service of the week caused those who loved him to realize something must be drastically wrong this man's faithfulness to the lord and his church saved his life. But his faithfulness did much more than save his life. It gave him the kind of spiritual growth God wants us all to have through close relationships with each other. My friends, Christmas is over, but that's not the end for us. Make it a glorious beginning. Stay close to the Lord in every situation. Serve the Lord every way you can. Trust God to surprise you with joy and strengthen your life with spiritual growth. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www whccnb.org Word of Hope Christian Church Real people A real God Real hope